Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, I've been saying that at the end of Matthew's Gospel, read now at the end of the liturgical year, we look at a number of parables that have to do with the in-between times. They all have to do in different ways with this scenario. The master or the owner leaves. And he leaves behind servants or slaves. And then the parable is about what do these people do while they wait? What do they do in the meantime? So last week we heard about those uh, bridesmaids, those virgins, wise and foolish, who wait for the bridegroom to come. Well, this week we have a different spin on the same theme of waiting. This one is the parable of the talents. You know it well. There's an owner who is going off on a long journey, but he bequeaths to three servants different sums of money. He gives them talents, one five, one three, and the other one. A talent, we're not quite sure if it means a, a gold talent or a silver talent. If it was a silver talent, it was worth, in today's terms, maybe around $1,000. So this was a fair amount of money the master was leaving. One he gives five, and that one, in the master's absence, invests the five, and he hits it big. He gets double a return on his investment. The second one he gives three, and he too invests the money and hits it big. He gets a double return. The third man to whom he'd given one talent said to himself, you know, I'm afraid of my master. He's a demanding person. And if I, if I play with this money in any way, if I try to invest it in the open market, I might lose it. And in that case, this master is really going to be mad with me. So what I will do to be on the safe side, I'm going to bury this talent. That way, when he comes back, at least I know I can give to him what he gave to me. Master comes back. You who doubled your investment, good for you. I will put you in charge of even greater things. The second man, whose investment also doubled, he praises him to the skies. I'll give you more responsibility. Good for you. Then this third figure rather pathetically gives his speech, confessing his fear of the master, and then telling him, don't worry, though, I buried your talent. I buried it in the ground, and here it is back to you. To that man, the master has nothing but contempt. Lazy servant. The very least you could have done was put it in the bank, I get it back with a little bit of interest. But instead, your fear led you just to bury it. I'm going to take that one talent from you and give it to the man who has ten. It's a harsh story, isn't it, in some ways? We tremble a little bit at this story. Because, of course, we know that God is this master. And we are the ones to whom the talents have been entrusted. Now, what's it about? Well, to speak very generically, it's about the law of the gift that I've talked about a lot. 
See it all through the writings of John Paul II, by the way. The law of the gift says very simply, your being increases in the measure that you give it away. It's a central theme of the whole Bible. Your being increases, paradoxically, the more you contrive to give it away. I know it's counterintuitive. Everything in us says, hang on to your being, cling to it, protect it. Hmm. In the act of giving it away, it increases. And that's why this economic example is so telling. The way an entrepreneur will risk his money so as to make more. And then we see the flip side of it. If you cling to your being, you bury it, you protect it, you will actually lose the little you have. The worst thing you can do with your life, says the law of the gift, is to cling to it and protect it. Okay, okay, that's true. And the parable is about the law of the gift. But can I make it a little more specific? Let me give it a bit more of a focus. Because I think these talents are about something very definite. St. Paul said, we hold a treasure in earthen vessels. The earthen vessels are these bodies of ours, these lives of ours, these selves of ours, these earthen vessels. Fragile. But in them, we hold a treasure. What is it? Our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ is a treasure that leads unto eternal life. We have been entrusted by the Master with this treasure. Some five, some three, some one, okay, perhaps to different degrees. But all of us baptized people have been entrusted with the treasure of our Christian faith, this deep belief in the God of love, this deep belief in Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead, this belief that we can be drawn into the dynamics of God's own life. This is our faith. Silver and gold, this treasure that we all have. Okay. So the question is, what do we do with this faith? Now that the Master, the Lord Jesus, has gone away. I don't mean definitively, but you know, that Christ has now gone to the realm of the Father. What do we do in the in-between times? Clear implication? You want your faith to grow? Give it away. Spread it. Invest it. You want your faith to disappear? Bury it. You bury your faith in the privacy of your own life. It's just mine. I don't want other people to know about it. I'm afraid to talk about it. Who wants to hear from me? My faith is my little private concern. Christians, what will happen is that faith will eventually fade away. The strange paradox is, if you want it to grow, spread it. Speak it. Act out of it. Give it away. Become an evangelist and your own faith increases. You know, I've spoken many times to you about this, but evangelization is not something that's the concern of a handful of people in the church. It is the essential concern of every baptized person. Risky business evangelization? Yes. Which is why this image is used 
of the investment of money in the open market. Nobody said it would be easy. No one said it would be without danger. But that's the only way that our own faith increases. Now, hard to do in our culture? Absolutely. Absolutely. We Americans live in a pluralistic society. We have from the very beginning of our culture. We've learned, therefore, the etiquette of a pluralist society. One of the things you don't talk about publicly is religion, right? In Chicago, don't talk about your sports affiliation, if you're a Cub fan or a Sox fan. Don't talk about your likes and dislikes, you know? And also, don't talk about religion. So we tend to mute ourselves in this regard. But we can't buy into that. Even though it's a cultural prejudice, we can't buy into it. Because that is tantamount to burying our faith in the ground. And that's the sure way to make it disappear. So, can I offer some practical advice? Some things you can do to invest and to spend the talents of your faith? First one. Let the language of the gospel be on your lips naturally. Let the language of the gospel be on your lips naturally. What do I mean? I don't mean that you're constantly giving sermons. You know, that's my job. <laughs> that's the job of priests and uh, evangelists and so on. But, but, maybe deal with that censor that hovers around your lips most of the time that says, no, no, don't, don't talk about faith. No, no, don't mention God. That might offend somebody. No, no, that's kind of embarrassing. I, that, no, don't talk about what I heard at the sermon last Sunday. Get rid of that censor. You're not harming anybody. You're not offending anybody. If you say things like, what a beautiful day, thank God. If you tell a colleague at work, you know, something I heard in the sermon last Sunday really moved me, and let me tell you what that is. If you were to say, well, I have this new opportunity, and I think it might be a good way for me to serve God better. Is that embarrassing? Maybe a little bit. People squint at you funny? Eh, maybe. So what? It's a very natural, easy way to evangelize. Second bit of practical advice. Wear some sign of faith on your person. Now, I'm not advocating everyone should get into a religious habit. Although, may I say this? I think now we can say with some confidence that the decision of religious people after Vatican II to get rid of their habits and religious uh, dress was a disaster. I think that's fair to say it was a disaster. The fact that religious so radically secularized themselves that means they don't show up in public anymore. We rarely see the religious person in public. Okay, that's a little side sermon. But my main point to you is, you can wear, I mean, a layperson can wear some sign of faith on your person. Maybe it's a little cross. Maybe it's a medal of a saint. Maybe a picture. Remember Lech Wałęsa back in the 1980s, the president of Poland, when he was the head of Solidarity. He always wore on his lapel a little square portrait of Our Lady of Częstochowa. We're a sign of your faith. Maybe it'll be a conversation starter. What's that? Who's that? Tell me about him. Tell me about that saint. Why do you wear that cross? It might just remind someone who sees you of the faith. It's not showing off. It's not embarrassing. But it's a public witness. Third practical piece of advice. Pray before meals when you're out at a restaurant. 
I know that's difficult. I know it's kind of embarrassing for most people. You're out in a, in a public place. You're surrounded by people. The food comes. Do you just dig in? Or do you pause? Not in a show-offy way. I don't mean ostentatiously. But you pause. Make the sign of the cross. And pray grace out loud. I bet they get someone's attention. It might remind someone of the faith. It might edify someone. Who knows? But it's a way, very quietly, simply, of witnessing publicly, of spending the talents of your faith. Here's a fourth one. Take advantage of the opportunity to explain your faith to someone who asks about it. You know, we're not surrounded by, by nothing but enemies. There are some enemies of the faith, but I think, for the most part, we're surrounded by people who are genuinely curious. What's it mean to be a Catholic? You know, I hear you go to church, or I know you Catholics believe X, Y, and Z. Take advantage of the opportunity to explain that to people. Yeah, I do. That's, that's my faith, and here's why. Yes, we Catholics do hold that, and here's why. I mentioned last week, studying, getting a good book of theology, reading up on the faith, being ready to give an account of your faith is a good way to spend the talents. Here's the last one. Maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, take an evangelical risk. The parable talks about investing on the open market. Yes, that's risky. You might lose something. Okay, once a year, maybe twice a year, take a real evangelical risk. Do something that is a little bit dangerous, a little bit edgy. Maybe call someone who's been away from church. Remember your family, a friend. Invite him back. Bit edgy? Yeah, maybe. It's a good risk. Maybe join a retreat group. Join the RCIA group. Give a talk about the faith. Do something bold once, maybe twice a year. Friends, in all these ways, concretely, we spend, we give away the faith. And in that process, we make our own faith grow. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.